a lot of us worry about things. A lot of us are anxious about things. Sometimes it's big and heavy and just burdens us. Sometimes it's more of just a constant, persistent nagging in the back of our minds. I mean, America is one of the studies will tell you one of the most stressed out, most medicated countries that there's ever been. What do you worry about? What right now are you anxious about? Anxiety takes a lot of different forms. There's a lot of different types of things to be anxious about. Even just in the last month or so, conversations with some of you and and other folks, people are worried about jobs, decisions that they have to make. Should I do this or should I do this? People are anxious about relationships that they have or they think they have or that they want or they don't want. Anxious about sickness, anxious about friends, well, people like me, anxious about new changes in life that are happening. Anxiety takes a lot of different forms, big things and small things. And a lot of times anxiety is just a constant. So it's there during the day, thinking about it. And then lo and behold, it's there at night, keeping you up. You can't sleep. And then maybe you finally fall asleep, and then it's in your dreams. And you wake up, and with the alarm clock, there it is again. Anxiety is just a constant thing that we can deal with. It's something that can be a persistent. Sometimes it comes in waves and seasons. Other times it's just little things throughout the day that you worry about. Big things, small things. Anxiety is also something that leads to more problems, to other types of, of sins or, or heart issues that we have. So we can be anxious about something. Let's say you're anxious about money. Will I have enough money? I don't know if I have enough money, which then leads you to start being stingy, very possessive of your things. If you're anxious about, will people like me? Then that can lead to pride and trying to boast so that people like you, or it leads to just withdrawing, shunning people, walking away from people, because if they really knew me, then they wouldn't like me. I mean, anxiety is this pervasive thing in our lives. And today, Paul's going to talk to us about anxiety. He's going to talk to us about worry, about the types of things we get anxious about. And he wants to help us. And you know, sometimes people look at Christians and they think, you know, I don't like Christians. They're happy all the time. They smile about everything. They're just kind of happy, clappy. Everything's great. And it's fake. And I don't like it. And sometimes people don't like Christians because they look at that and they don't think it's fake. Maybe they just look at it and go, man, if that's, my life could never be like that. So if that's what life is like, then Man, I could never be a Christian if that's what life is. But Paul, Paul knows better than that. Paul sees through all of that. He sees through all of the fronts that we put up. He sees through all the lies and all the hiding. And he knows that we've got issues. He knows that people are a mess. He doesn't let us get off the hook. He doesn't just um, accept the front that we can pretend with and saying that everything's great. Paul knows we've got issues. 
He knows we're a mess, and He cares. And so He's going to help us today. And I'll just say this, if, if you're not a Christian, um, as we look at these thoughts from the Bible, here's one of the reasons that I trust the Bible. I, I, I trust the Bible because I believe that history, so outside of the Bible, I believe that history shows us that Jesus raised from the dead. And if that's true, then I believe everything that Jesus talks about, and Jesus authenticates the Old Testament. We can't get into all this, and he commissions the New Testament, and it's, much of it's about him. So, so I believe the Bible because of that, okay? Because of the historical reality of the resurrection. But another reason, and this is where I'm saying, if you're not a Christian, maybe just let experience guide you into belief. I believe the Bible makes the most sense of reality that there is. I believe it speaks truth. I believe it, it says things that just make sense of the world better than anything else that I've ever studied or known. That's one of the reasons is, is just an experience of, man, that rings true. And so if you're exploring Jesus and Christianity and, and you're just not sure, maybe you've got tons of questions about stuff and that won't all get answered, but maybe a first step in that is just to say, does this ring true? Does that, does that just ring true with my experience in life? And, and I think some of the things we talk about will explain life. So Paul's going to help us. He's going to help those of us that are in the middle of anxiety, which I know is many of you. He's going to help us find a path out. And he's going to help us that are not in the middle of anxiety currently to know how to live in such a way to prevent much of the anxiety that we experience. So let's read what Paul says in this next section. This is Philippians 4, starting in verse um, 4, I believe. It'll say up here. Yeah, Philippians 4, 4. And I'll read this whole thing, and then we'll look at what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We talked a little bit about these verses last week, but... It leads into this section. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So, how do we get out of anxiety? If you're in the middle of it right now, or if you want to prevent it from being a reoccurring issue in your life, how do we get out of anxiety? That's the big question that we're going to look at. Paul's going to give us four really specific things that help lead us out of anxiety and create a lifestyle that prevents it in the first place. But before we look at that, I want you to just think of your life, okay? Think of whatever it is that's weighing on your heart. Think of whatever it is that you worried about, maybe today, that you're anxious about, maybe this week. Just think about that. 
I, I can't speak to every issue that's out there. I have to talk in broad strokes. But I want you to think about your life and how what Paul says, how what God says to us through Paul speaks directly to where you are. And here's what we have to ask. Why do we get anxious? Why do we get anxious? So if I were to sit down with you and talk with you and say, so, so you're anxious, why are you anxious? Most of the time what happens is we point to the what. So if I said, why are you anxious? You might say, man, because there's this job interview I've got and I'm trying to see if I'm going to get this job or not get this job. And I'm Okay, but that's still the what that you're anxious about. Why are you anxious about that? Well, because I need the money. Okay, well, why are you anxious about that? I mean, you can keep kind of going deeper and deeper and deeper of really why. And a lot of times we don't ever reflect on the why that we're anxious. We look at the what and we think that the what is equivalent to the why, but why really what's going on in the heart? What's going on that we have anxiety? Because situations don't mandate that we are anxious towards them. This person in a job interview and this person in a job interview, one might be anxious and one might not be. They don't, they don't necessitate anxiety. So why in any particular situation that we're in, that you are in right now, do we get anxious? Why? That's where we have to start. And, and here's how we will uncover the why. We'll uncover the why by looking at the solutions that Paul gives to us. So if you were to go to a physical therapist, let's say, and, and they were to say, okay, I've got five exercises you need to do on your back, and you'd say, I hate you, or at least I would, and then they'd say, I've got, you know, five exercises for you to do with your legs, and um, you need to stretch a lot, something like that. That's the solution that they give you, which points to what the problem is. Solutions always point back toward what the problem is. Medicine works in the same way. If you get medicine for something, that's the solution that points to the problem. And so Paul, as he gives us the solutions, that's going to point to why anxiety actually creeps in. And the first thing Paul says is, do not be anxious, but he doesn't just leave it at that. He doesn't just say, don't be anxious. Hey, you're anxious? Well, this is going to be easy. Don't be anxious. End of sermon. Come on up, Seth. I mean, that would be really easy, right? But that's not what he says, because if I were to just tell you, don't be anxious, 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 that starts to create anxiety, right? If somebody just tells you to stop being anxious, that usually builds your anxiety. I know, and now I'm anxious that I'm anxious. Instead, Paul will grab us by the hand and lead us and help us to uncover what's going on. Okay, so here's four things that we'll get into. The first is this. Paul says, don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here's the first thing that Paul says. He says, turn to God. I mean, that's the starting point. He says, pray. Okay, number one is pray. Turn to God. See, a lot of times when I talk to people that are anxious, I will just ask them, have you talked to God about that? And many times the answer is no. 
There's all this anxiety, there's all this pressure, there's all this burden, there's all this heaviness, there's all this worry, and have you talked to God? No, I haven't talked to God. I'm busy trying to fix the situation, I'm busy trying to... That the, the involvement of God in our lives is envisioned as very small. And so when there's anxiety and there's pressures, maybe there's a quick little throw, throwaway prayer to God, but there isn't yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to come and pray to God as step one in my anxiety. See, you know why this is? Is because at the root of much anxiety is this pride that views ourselves as in control. We think that we should have control. We think we have more control than we have. We think we should have power. We think we have more power than we actually have. And then we start to worry about, there's things I want to control that don't seem like they're in my control, but, but I should have the ability to manage these things and control these things. We think that we've got more power than we actually have. We think we have more control than we actually have. We want to control things and we start to realize they're out of my control. That's often why we don't talk to God is because we're just looking at ourselves. We have this inflated view of ourselves. We think that we are God in some way. That we do control things in some way. That we do have power in some way. And when that starts to slip, we start to get worried. What if I don't have the power? What if I don't have the control? And Paul says, make them known to God. Pray, come make them known to God all the pressures, all the anxieties. And, and sometimes, again, I'm telling you, it's big things, and other times it's these small things. And some of you, maybe in the big things, you go to God, and in the small things, you don't. And sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes in the small things, you'll talk to God, and then the big things, you think, oh man, God, God can't deal with that. It can go either way. But Paul says, make them known to God. See, just the act of talking with God helps. I mean, just like a friend, right? I mean, we, we have the phrases, a shoulder to cry on, or a listening ear, or those types of things, because just talking with someone about what's going on can help. And Paul knows that. He says, hey, make them known to God. Just talk with him about it. Sometimes making them known to God, praying to God helps because it's, it's just naming the issue. I know there's been times that I've been anxious, but I don't even know What's going on? Why am I anxious? I think this is true with other emotions too. Why am I angry or why am I sad that we just have things kind of swirling around in our head? It seems like millions of things. And just to be able to go, okay, God, I'm going to talk with you. What's going on? And then a light bulb you know, comes on. <laughs> What's going on? Just to make them known, to just name them. To then be able to sift through and identify, I'm anxious about this, God, I'm anxious about this, and I'm anxious about this. Or maybe the list is much longer, but just to name them, just to speak with Him, it can help because it can kind of get it off your chest, but it helps just in some ways to clear a fog in our minds, to pray, to make them known to God. And what I love that He says here is, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication and anything and everything. Can you think of something that fits outside of that box? There's nothing, right? Anything and everything is all-encompassing, which means God cares about every part of your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God cares about every detail of your life? He cares about all of it because He cares about you, and we live in the anything and everything. There isn't this spiritual and then kind of just normal stuff. God cares about every part of your life, anything, everything. That shows how much God cares and wants to talk with you about stuff. And it doesn't just say pray, but it says pray with thanksgiving. So why would Paul throw that in there? Pray with thanksgiving. Because at root of much anxiety is an unthankfulness. If you start to think about it. See, if you start to think about why are you anxious, you see that at the root of a lot of it is an unthankfulness. You're worried about what you don't have. You're worried about what you might lose instead of what you do have and what God will give. See, Paul says to pray with thanksgiving because so much of the time what we worry about is there's something I want and I'm worried I won't get it. You see how that's contrary to thanksgiving? There's something I want and I'm worried I won't get it. That's getting versus giving. Paul says to pray with thanksgiving, which is to say when you pray to God, well, how can I pray with thanksgiving if I don't have what I want yet? <laughs> I mean, that, that just shows what's in our heart. Instead, we begin with prayers of thanksgiving. What, what can you thank God for before you even know the outcome? Man, you can thank God that He is wise. God, I thank you that in the middle of my anxiety, I know that you are wise even when I'm not. I thank you that you love me in the middle of this situation. I thank you that I don't know what the outcome will be, but I know that because I belong to you, that you will work for my good. I thank you that whatever happens, I know that in all of those things, you're working to care for me and help me and love me. Right? There's a lot that we can pray in thanksgiving with. But anxiety at its root sees everything bad. It sees what you don't have, what you want that you're worried you won't get, instead of what you do have and what God promises to give. I'm not saying He promises to give you the things that you want. Just because Paul says that we should start in the middle of our anxiety with prayer doesn't mean He promises God's going to give you what you pray for. But God does promise that He will love you that He will care for you, that He will be with you, all of those things. And so we can thank Him for that. And just the act of thanking God, just beginning to pray with thanksgiving, begins to diminish those anxieties. It begins to bring them down. I promise you, if you spend time praying about what you're anxious about, and the first half of that prayer is all just thanking God, 
that begins to lower the anxieties because you start to see with clarity what you have, who God is, what He promises in His presence and His person for you instead of just what you don't have and what you want and what you want to get and often very unrealistic things that we demand from God to give to us. Just to pray in thanksgiving begins to get our minds outside of ourself. This narrow focus of here I am, here's what's going on, gets us out of that to focus on the God who has given us everything that we need. And then what he says will happen from that is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this says when we begin to bring, when we begin to pray and talk to God is our starting point. When we, when we start with just making the burdens in our hearts known to God, and we do that with thanksgiving, that what begins to happen is we experience a peace. A peace that then enables us to have our hearts and our minds that are all wrapped up in this stuff guarded in Jesus. Which is to say we're able to delight in Jesus and focus on Jesus and worship Jesus and enjoy Jesus. Instead of all these pressures, as we come to God, He gives us this peace that keeps us present with Christ. You know this if you've done this. And yet we easily forget, right? So this is the first thing Paul tells to us. Just pray. Pray. Talk with God. God wants to talk with you. I mean, isn't that just amazing that God wants to talk with you? There's a lot of people that don't want to talk with you. I mean, I don't want to talk with you. A lot of times, if you call me, I don't answer. I like texts and messages. But I hate talking on the phone. A lot of people do. I make an exception for my wife, and that's about it. And even that is because I'm bound by the covenant of marriage. It was in my vows. But I hate talking on the phone. A lot of people do not want to talk with you. But God does. I mean, isn't just that amazing? The most important person in the universe wants to talk with you? That's pretty cool, I think. All right, second. He says this. We're jumping around. I'm not going in order. But second thing is down here. He lists all these things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, lovely, pure, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about them. So here's the thing. This is meditation. I don't mean in some spooky way. We'll, We'll talk about this. This is meditation to think about these things that he lists out. See, anxiety and worry and then meditation are very similar things. See, what you do in both is this. You mull things over. You repeat them in your mind. You do it not just once, but you do it throughout the day. I mean, think about your anxiety. It's not just, okay, I'm going to be anxious from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., and then I'll go about my day. No, it's, it's persistent. When you worry about things and you're anxious about things, you think about them from different angles. Well, what if this happens? 
And then what if I do this and then that happens? Or if I did this and then that? Or if I did that and then this happens? Or if I did this and that and then that and this happen? I mean, you think about it from all these different angles. You look at it from different situations. See, worry, anxiety, and, and meditation are very similar things. And, and here's what Paul knows. He knows that we are bombarded by all of these negative thoughts that come into our mind. Our hearts and our minds are filled with all of this negative stuff. And Paul says you need something that's opposite from that. You need something that is better and opposite from the things that you're mulling over, the things that you're steeping yourself in. See, I mean, even pop psychology will tell you things like think positive thoughts. So if you're playing sports, you shouldn't say, don't miss the basket, don't miss the basket, but make the basket, make the basket, things like that. There is a psychology in us of the way God wired us that many of us just go, okay, there's all these negative things, don't do that, don't do that, or even tell ourselves, don't think about negative things, stop thinking about these, stop being anxious, stop focusing on the anxious things. But that's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what actually helps us. Instead, we need something different, something opposite that we're supposed to think about whatever's true and honorable and just and pure and commendable. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about them. It doesn't just say know that they're there, but think about them. Ponder them. Meditate them. See, non-Christian meditation says, empty your mind. Paul says, no, fill your mind. Fill your mind with what is true and honorable and worthy of praise. Fill your mind with that so that it crowds out the stuff that is anxiety-ridden, the stuff that you get anxious over. This is a key. See, a lot of people wonder, how do I, how do I drop from the head to the heart? How do I make what I know become real, alive? How do I move from the page or the screen to to my heart? How do I move from audio to video? How do I make stuff actually alive in my heart? This is it. It's through meditating on the truth of God's Word and who Jesus is. See, I mean, what what are these things? What does it mean to, to think about what's pure and just and honorable and lovely. It doesn't just mean to make a list of all the lovely things. This isn't sound of music. Trying to think of the lines, but I can't. But you know what I'm talking about. Rainbows and butterflies, whatever she says, right? It's not that. Paul's not talking about that. Can't believe I did that. This is, um... (laughs) Paul's talking about Jesus. I mean, what is it that's worthy of praise? I mean, if you want to do this to its ultimate end, what is worthy of praise? What is the most commendable, the most honorable, the most true? It's Jesus. It's God's Word. It's the Gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done. That's what it is. So Paul says, dwell on this. Think about this. I already know that. Paul knows you know that, but he says, think about this. 
This is throughout the Bible that we are supposed to live in the truth. The truth is supposed to soak in us and saturate in us. Sometimes as we read the Bible, we read, and I'm not saying don't do this, but uh, many people use a Bible reading plan or something like that. The problem with those types of things is that they, they, they encourage or they can or they can be used in such a way that says, okay, I'm just reading to read. I'm just, okay, I'm supposed to read two chapters? Okay, there we go, two chapters, the end done. Or sometimes we even read to go, okay, what am I supposed to do? And there's things for us to do. But Paul is saying, think about what's worthy of praise. Think. As you open the Scriptures, as you open the Bible, as you see who Jesus is, meditate, ponder, wonder. One tool that I'm going to give to you today that I've shared with some of you before, but not in this fancy form. This is a bookmark. It's a laminated piece of paper. And um, this is just a method I use called words. And I'll let you look over this, but this is just a really practical help. I think put this in your Bible and... It's, it goes through words as an acronym, worship, own, repent, do, and share. And, and really, as, as we keep going through this, and you'll see it'll make more sense when you have this, that's the flow of the text that we're looking at, that Paul calls us to, to worship. If there's anything worthy of praise, he calls us to confess. He calls us to then actually live things out. I think this is a helpful tool just to to look at for what does it mean to meditate? How can I drop from the head to the heart? You know probably a lot of things about God. But do some of those feel like they're just in your head and not in your heart? Or maybe some days they do? Man, this is one of the secrets of the Christian life is to think about things. To think. To dwell deeply. To meditate. You know what that means? It means God really wants you to know Him. It means God really wants you to know Him. God wants to talk with you. And God really wants you to know Him. Think about, I mean, even what I said before, there's a lot of people that don't want to know you. There's a lot of people that don't want to know you. God wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. Not to just know about him. So that's the second thing is meditate. Third, he says this, what you've heard, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. See, Paul doesn't just stop with saying, hey, go talk to God about it and then go meditate. The end. He says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen practice these things. Live it out. Do something about it. See, if you are anxious about money and you come and talk to me or somebody and um, say, man, I'm really anxious about money and I don't know what to do and I don't think I have enough and I don't know if everything's going to be okay and I don't, man, I'm just stressing out. I'm, I'm just freaking out. I would tell you, man, pray. Talk with God. He loves you. He cares for you. He'll provide for you. He's working for your good. But just that momentary relief, if nothing changes, 
you'll probably be back right in the same situation you were. It's not just pray and meditate. It's also practice these things that you've seen in Paul's life. The things that he's taught throughout this letter and and others. The things that we've seen by example actually do something. So with money, that means, hey, yeah, God's with you. He loves you. He cares for you. And make a budget and get out of debt and let's work on a plan. And because otherwise we just repeat the same patterns that lead to our anxiety in the first place. If you're anxious about relationships and man, I don't know if, um, I don't know if things are going well in this relationship and I don't know how to kind of navigate through this and you're just feeling stressed and burdened and stuff's not working out and okay, yeah, let's, let's see who God is, let's pray, but you probably also need to change some things to actually say, what do I need to change? So we actually have to make changes in our life. That's not a unspiritual thing to say. Paul doesn't stop with just telling us, God's peace, peace be upon you. Just sprinkle it like dust. Peace is on you. He says, hey, we actually need to practice the things that we've heard and learned and seen to live out, to make changes. Otherwise, the same stuff happens all over again. God wants you to actually experience the joy of a changed life. He doesn't want you to just feel good in a moment. He really wants you to experience the joy of a changed life. God's not just after your momentary relief. God's not just after this one little instance of, oh, that felt good. He's after something much bigger than that. He's after you experiencing a transformed life that's filled with joy. That's what He's after. And so He instructs us to actually make changes. Fourth thing. Paul says these different phrases Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. And then finally, the God of peace will be with you. So here's what happens in anxiety we lose sight of God. So the fourth thing that Paul tells us, he tells us to pray tells us to meditate, tells us to make changes, and he tells us to focus on Jesus. See, what happens when we're anxious is that we lose sight of God. We lose sight of Him. Our faith begins to grow dim. Maybe like a a light bulb. If your faith is a light bulb, it's just kind of flickering when you're anxious. It's still there. It's not gone. It hasn't just evaporated, but it's just flickering. It's just kind of barely there. We lose sight of God. We lose sight of Him when we're anxious. And Paul wants to focus our attention because what happens in the middle of anxiety is that we're not aware of God's presence. We're not aware of God's love. We're not aware of God's care. We're not aware of God's wisdom. We're just aware of this situation and how we feel and how things are bad and how things aren't going well. That's what we're aware of. 
our situation becomes elevated to this place of massive importance that fills up our vision instead of having an awareness of who God is. That's why throughout this whole thing, and that's why he closes it this way, but throughout he's pointing our direction to Jesus. He's saying your attention, your focus needs to shift. And he says that we are to rejoice in the Lord. How does that play into anxiety? See, if there are things that you have your joy in, if there are things that for you to be joyful, for you to enjoy life, they are dependent on these things. Job, money, relationships, children, success, comfort, prosperity, whatever it might be, often very good things. If your joy is dependent on those things, and then you worry that you won't have them, they start to slip away, that produces anxiety. See, underneath a lot of our anxiety is that our affections Our heart loves are rooted in things that are not stable. Things that could be lost at any moment. If you put your joy, if you put your sense of fulfillment in life based on continuing to grow in your wealth and your prosperity and then economic downturn, crushed. That's why people jump off buildings. Maybe it doesn't get that extreme, but maybe emotionally your heart jumps off a building. If you put your joy and your affection, if where you know you will have fulfillment in life is people liking you, people thinking that you're respectable, knowledgeable, and that doesn't start to happen, Maybe it happened over here and then you move to a new city and people don't know you and they don't think you're smart or they just don't like you. They don't want to talk to you. If that's where your joy is, man, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be filled with anxiety because what we love, what our affections are in, if we don't have them or we think we might lose them, that affects our hearts deeply. So Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord. Again, put your focus on Jesus. Find joy in knowing Him and being present with Him. And he says, the God of peace will be with you. See, probably at the bottom of anxiety is this. It is this belief that it's just us. We're on our own. It's just me. I'm left to handle these things. I'm left to handle these burdens. I'm left to handle these problems. It's just me. I've got to deal with it on my own because it's just me. So here's the reality you've got burdens, you've got problems. 
You've got weight. You've got heaviness. And what happens is, some of you are just really proud. Some of you are really proud. Because you've got these burdens and weights and anxieties, and you think, it's just me. And you lack humility. You believe it is just you. And so what happens is then you hide. You hide from God, if that were possible. And so you don't talk with God. You seek to distance yourself from God because you've got these weights and these burdens and you go, you know what? It's just me. So you hide from God and you hide from other people. I don't need help. I don't need help. I don't need anyone else knowing about these anxieties and these pressures and these burdens. You hide from your spouse. You hide from your friends. You hide from God. You hide because you keep up a facade that everything's okay. I know, I know, and I've seen it time and time again. And those things always blow up. Because if we live with this reality that it's just me and we reject God and we reject the the means that God has provided to help us in the middle of our anxieties and our burdens, if we reject all of that, it blows up. It crumbles. It does. And I, I just know, I just know because of the truth of what Paul's saying, because of my experience as a pastor, that some of you are in this exact place right now. We don't know who you are because you're hiding. And you hold things back. You don't want to be known by God or by others because you're living with the lie that it's just you. You're living with the lie and all these anxieties, and all of these worries, and all of these burdens, because you're living as if it's just you. And it's pride. It's a functional atheism that says, it's just me, there is no God, which is pride. And you've probably heard this, and you're telling yourself, that's fine, whatever, just get through it and go on. Keep hiding. And here's what's sad about that. God sees the hurt. He sees the burdens. He sees the issues. He sees what's going on and He cares. And He loves. And He wants to be involved. And He wants to provide other people in your life to help and to love and to help carry the burdens, and help speak life into the anxieties. God sees all of that. And, and God holds out love, and He holds out care, and He holds out involvement, and He holds out being with you, and it's just rejected. But in the end, you're only hurting yourself. In the end, you only hurt yourself So you don't have to be afraid because God's for you. 
You don't have to be afraid because God's with you. You don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid that you're not in control because you're not in control. You don't have to be afraid of, of following Jesus into what he says. See, sometimes God calls us to things and we're afraid, we're anxious because we think it's just me and I've got to look out for my own and I don't know if I trust that and I don't know if I like that. You don't have to be afraid of following Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of any of these things. You don't have to be afraid of being known. You don't have to pretend everything's fine. Pretend everything's okay. You don't have to hide. Because it's not just you. It's not. And some of you, maybe this is not where you're at. Maybe you look at life and it's all going great. And you don't have a care in the world. You're singing zippity-doo-dah day. Everything's wonderful. And you think this is a real downer. But you know what? You can still live in the exact same way of thinking it's just me, it's just me, it's just me. And those are the patterns and the habits that begin to be habituated in your life. Then when stuff does start to come up, you've already cultivated a year or several months or several years of really functionally, it's just me. I'm hiding, I'm pretending. I'll deal with my life on my own. Without God, without others. Maybe some lip service here and there, but not really the life that God has. Sometimes we're just blind. Maybe stuff's really bad and you don't even know it's really bad because it's always been really bad. Sometimes we're just blind. Think everything's fine because everything's never been fine but that's all you know. But God wants so much more. And look, I've, I, I'm not talking to you about this. And he, I just know this, okay? I know that some of you right now are hardening your hearts. I just know it. Some of you are hardening your hearts and saying, I'm not listening to this. That's whatever. Okay, when's this going to be done? I know it. And I'm not talking with you as someone that has not experienced this. And I've, I've, I mean, I do, and I have struggled with, I mean, eye twitches and ulcers and, I mean, all sorts of stuff that produces anxiety. You want to create some anxiety in your life? Move across the country with no money and no friends and start a church. I mean, it, 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 it definitely creates context to produce a lot of anxiety. So I've, I've lived this, and to me, these are words of life. So I'm not saying, hey, you're never going to have anxiety. I'm not saying I don't have anxiety. I'm saying these are words of life. That for those of you in the middle of these things that you're anxious about and worried about and heavy with and burdened by, that you then hide because you believe it's just you, these are words of life that says the God of peace will be with you. These are words of life that says you can rejoice in the Lord, that the Lord is at hand, that God wants to talk to you, that God wants you to know Him. They're words of life. And God gives us a community 
to be his hands and his feet and his presence so that we can really be known. See, what do you want when you're anxious? You want peace. When you're anxious, what do you want? You want peace. And we, we look to that in other things. This is what we all pursue when we're anxious. We look to it maybe in our understanding. If I can just figure this out, then I'll be able to just take a breath. If I can just get it all organized, then I'll be able to take a breath. We look for it in just maybe telling ourselves, calm down, calm down, count to ten. We look for peace in just getting out of the situation, escaping And that can be through alcohol, that can be through drugs, that can be through pornography, that can be through Netflix, that can be through ice cream, it can be through shopping, it can be through whatever. I'm anxious, I just got to get out of this. I just need relief in my mind. Again, it's, it's just me. We want peace. So we look to escaping We look to trying to manage it, to understand it, to be able to predict the future. We want peace. But we need something better than all of that. We need the God of peace. We don't need peace in all these little things that we pursue it in. We need the God of peace. So here's what this means. This might mean for you, you need to just have a really honest conversation with God. To tell Him, you know what, God? I think it's just me. I don't think you're in it with me. I don't think you're at hand. I don't think you want to talk with me. I don't think you care. And just begin with an honest conversation with God. And confess. I mean, there's no, there's no shortcuts. It begins with just telling God what's on your heart and confessing even, God, I just don't think you care. I don't think you're involved. Maybe it's confessing, God, I don't want you involved. I want to handle it on my own. There's no shortcuts around this. It's, it's confession and it's repentance and it's the ongoing practices that Paul has laid out. So the God of peace, here's what I'll close with. What does that mean? What does it mean, the God of peace? See, we chase peace in all of these things. But what this says is that we don't have to chase peace because the God of peace has come to us. See, to say that God is the God of peace does not just mean God is the God of fuzzy feelings. That's not what it means. There is context in this. To say that He's the God of peace has historical rootedness in it of something that God did to make peace. So here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are at war with God in our hearts. That our hearts are set on other things that we love instead of God, that we run after other things instead of God, that we ignore God, we reject God, we dismiss God, we don't care about God. And so we're at war with Him. There's enmity between us. 
There is hostile relationship between us. There is not peace between us. But Jesus, who's God and man, comes to this earth and He goes to the cross to take all of the sin, which is what I just described, our rejection, our dismissal, our love of other things. He takes all of that sin and He pays the penalty that we should pay. That's why Jesus went to the cross and died to take the penalty of our sins that we deserve, death. And then He resurrects to bring us new life found in Him, peace with God. See, what Paul says in Colossians is that God has made peace through the blood of the cross. That God made peace with you and me. If you're a Christian, And if you're not a Christian, you are not at peace with God. I tell that to you in love. Paul says that he has made peace by the blood of the cross. See, peace came with God. God he, He would be the God of wrath and hell and judgment and damnation towards you and me but He is the God of peace because God has made peace on the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, now God has peace with us that Jesus canceled our debt, that He reconciled us to God, that He made us one with God. So there's historical content in what that means. How is He the God of peace? He's the God of peace because of the blood of the cross. So what that means then is experientially, He's the God of peace because you can go, you know what? I know He loves me. I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I know He loves me. And then you experience peace because you see on the cross, He loves me. We're at peace. I don't know how the situation is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know he's wise. I know I don't have it all figured out, but I know he does because I see the majesty of his wisdom on the cross where he's made peace with me. I want control of the situation. I want to figure the situation out. And I don't have the power to do it. But I can see on the cross that God is all-powerful that He has conquered Satan and sin and death, that He's had the power to unite enemies and make them friends. So I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I can look to the God of peace, and because He's made peace, I can experience peace. See, you might have a lot of things to worry about. You might have some good reasons to worry about some things, but you have better reason to trust that God loves you and cares for you. You might have a lot of anxiety and you might feel like you've got good reason for it, but you've got better reason to have peace because Jesus made it on the blood of the cross. When we take communion, as we do every week, that's what we remember. We remember And tonight, what we remember specifically is that in the middle of our anxieties, in the middle of our hiding, 
God shed His blood for us. He had His body broken for us so that we would experience forgiveness, that we would experience life, that we would experience peace. He made peace with us through the cross so that we can have peace in the middle of whatever we're going through. 